We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 1013 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And joining me today, finally, after 1013 episodes, somebody that I've wanted to have on for a long time is the managing editor and writer for USA Today's Packers Wire. Uh, you can find him on PackersWire.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Cruz 2 Zach, welcome officially to the Pack-A-Day podcast, this post-draft edition. Uh, I'm so happy to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Andy. It's obviously been a very long, very interesting weekend, so we're going to have no shortage of things to talk about, and I'm uh, excited to break it all down with you. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Certainly, as you mentioned, a ton of things to talk about. Before we get there, um, just want to take a second to really appreciate your work. I don't say this lightly. I have basically like a Mount Rushmore of people that I read. I don't know how you do things, Zach. I, I, a lot of people have a differing view of like how much Packers content they consume when they're putting out their own. I tend to be somebody who tries not to read a ton because I want everything to kind of be more original and come from my own mind and not be influenced by others. Um, there's about a hand, four or five people uh, that I read with some level of consistency. Um, and you are definitely on that list. You do amazing work and uh, just appreciate everything you do. Man, that's, that's really nice for you to say, Andy, pretty much echo all those sentiments back to you. You're a, you're a, you're a star in the Packers uh, blogosphere and, you know, I, I'm just really excited to talk to you here. 
Yeah, right back at you. I appreciate that greatly as well. Um, as I said for a while, I just surround myself with people smarter than me and uh, especially here on the podcast and let them do the heavy lifting and then it makes me look amazing. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm bringing you on and uh, that makes me look smarter by doing so. So appreciate you taking the time. Um, let's kick things off. And I just want to get your thousand foot view, your tweet length review, just what your main takeaways were from this weekend. It can be anything from the draft to Rogers, whatever, like what was just your your gut feeling and takeaway from the weekend. Yeah. So if, if I'm ready to tweet about this weekend, first I got to add a video of a ping pong match. Because <laughs> that's exactly what the last few days have felt like in my brain. I'm sure in your brain too, it's just been a constant back and forth with the, you know, the Rogers drama and trying to follow the draft closely. It just you know, felt like there's something new with the Rogers story, pulling us away from the draft, like every hour or so. So yeah, I'd start with the ping pong video. Then, you know, you got to split the weekend up between the Rogers and the draft. And I think I'd classify the Rogers situation as concerning to maybe very concerning at this point. And yeah, you know, it's maybe a borderline disaster right now. We don't maybe know all the details, but you know, I just, I hate where it's headed. We'll, we'll probably talk about that a lot later, but um, as for the draft, I think the way I describe it is solid, safe, unspectacular, very sensible. You know, I, I think those are all good words to describe the, the draft class, but, but man, this, this was such a wild weekend. I can't, I can't even remember a weekend like this covering this team. Um, I, I wasn't really covering the team in 2008 when all that fire stuff went on. So, you know, this has been a wild weekend that I don't think I could sum up in just one tweet. Did you see anything like this coming in any way, shape or form? Did it, or did it completely blindside you? Yeah. Like I, I, I had a tweet that said it was, it was totally believable, but, like the most surprising thing that could have happened the day of the draft. Like, I, I think there was like breadcrumbs that, you know, there's probably the contract thing. We, how, how many times did we talk about the contract over the last couple of months, you know, just trying to figure out what the team was going to do, what Rogers wanted to do. And it turns out that is probably a big sticking point in this whole deal. You know, maybe the last straw of the deal for Rogers. So I think there was some breadcrumbs. I think, you know, a lot of the beat reporters were, you know, they were onto that, you know, Rogers was a little bit unhappy and maybe not to the level we know now, but yeah, I think, like I said, it was, it was surprising, but it was so believable to me. So I wouldn't say it blindsided me, but it was a, it was a pretty crazy turn of events. I think what blindsided me was just how serious it seemed so quickly. And I think that's what really kind of took me by surprise is it went, it, it like, I know there were kind of some of those breadcrumbs. And I think in hindsight, the fact that the contract wasn't touched at all um, probably should have been a bigger indicator than I probably looked at it at the time. Like they went out of their way to restructure everyone else. And in hindsight, the fact that Roger's contract, and I, to me, I just kept thinking like, this is going to get done any day. There's going to be a big announcement of, you know, the contract being done or something being done with it. And it just never came, never came. And then all of a sudden draft day comes and the big news drops. So I think the fact that it's, even though I don't think it did, and obviously we're finding out now this has been going on for a few months, like the, it, it felt like it went from zero to a hundred in like literally like an hour where we were just finding out about it. And then literally for a, a moment there on Thursday, it felt like he was going to be a Denver Bronco. Yeah. And just like the speed of which it happened was so insane. And then I almost felt like Friday, like things kind of calmed down and it was just kind of day two of the draft. And then Saturday, like everything picked up right where we left off on Thursday to some extent. So 
of course, we're going to talk about Rogers more in just a moment, but um, I think the big things to me is it felt going into this, even before the Rogers stuff, that this was an incredibly important draft and all drafts are insanely important, but with green Bay, not being able to add to their team via free agency and just really needing young talents to, you know, probably supplement what's going to be some veteran losses over the course of the next couple of seasons. This felt really important. Um, so I think that was something that was kind of, you know, over, you know, in my mind this entire weekend. And then again, once the Rogers stuff happened, it was like this draft was going on, but there was just this gray cloud that was building and building on the top of everything that you like, you were just waiting for the downpour to come. And there was all this stuff that was going on. It was like, you were at like a carnival and having fun and like, you know, getting all this stuff and finding out all these new things. And, but you just knew that at some point the storm is going to hit. And it was so hard to look away from the storm and actually enjoy what was going on. And then I think the last thing, I really like day two of the draft, but I think the last thing I'll say here is I think what's going to, the Rogers thing is of course going to be the be all end all of what happens from this weekend. But I think it's going to be really interesting to look back on this draft in three or four years. The Packers took Stokes with uh, obviously, you know, his teammates, uh, you know, Tyson Campbell on the board at the same time went early round two. Asante Samuel goes not too far after that. You know, did they get it right over Campbell and Samuel? And then, of course, uh, you know, day two, second round pick, um, you know, they choose Myers over Creed Humphrey. Humphrey goes one pick later. I think the narrative for a while will be, did they get those decisions right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you can tell they really liked Eric Soaks in that first round, but you know, Asante Samuel was there, like you said, and, and, you know, he was a good fit. He didn't maybe fit their size preferences and he didn't go until what, 47. Yeah. It was definitely a little bit later. Well, like 18 picks later, somewhere around there. So yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right. It wasn't like they went back to back by any means. Yeah. There's definitely some teams that had some concerns there obviously too, but yeah, they're going to be paired up, you know, Myers and Humphrey are definitely going to be paired up. Those, those are going to be two picks that are going to be in the spotlight um, over the next couple of years. And, you know, they, they eventually went and got their receiver in the third round. I think that's going to be a, a pick that might define this class, but, but yeah, those, those first two picks, you, you get the, the elite athlete at the premium position again uh, in the first round. That's just what the Packers do. And then, you know, they go and, you know, replace their, the player that they, they lost it. That was best. Well, for now, Corey Lindsay. So, <laughs> yep. No, it made, it made a ton of sense. Like you said, very, very logical in the the route that they went with this uh, and the picks that they made, especially early in the draft. We'll, we'll get back. You know, that was obviously kind of our um, over, you know, overhead review of what happened over the weekend. We'll get back to these pick by pick in just a moment. But as I've said, um, even before this whole thing happened, this entire off season, it's great to talk about free agency and who they get in the draft and some of the restructures, bringing back Aaron Jones, all of those things, but literally everything pales in comparison to what happened with that Aaron Rodgers contract. And now that's even magnified by a million times over. So before we kind of break down these picks, let's just go over what the status of, you know, this Aaron Rodgers situation is right now and where we think this is headed. The first thing that I'll mention, I mentioned the same thing on the video podcast yesterday. The, the two things that I feel like need to be addressed still for some people are a, yes, this is very real. It seems like some people want to 
believe that this is still just a media thing that's blown out of proportion. Um, Mark Murphy obviously came out and addressed this in his chat and Q&A that he did and made a statement on it and did not deny it in any way, shape or form, said that they went down and met with Rogers. So this is a very real. And then the other thing that I keep hearing from a lot of people, too, is that, you know, well, why are people talking about like the Packers could trade Aaron Rodgers? They're going to take this massive cap hit and there's no way that that can work. And of course, as you know, Zach, um, the way his contract is set up, even if they traded him before June 1st, which at this point, there's no reason to do that. But even if they did, they could still make it work. They'd basically be paying one to two million dollars more now than they would if he were on the team this year, which is definitely workable. And more likely than not, if they did trade him, it would be post June 1st, which basically splits that in half. They actually would get money uh, to take on players if they wanted to in that trade. I think it's around like 15 or 16 million. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, long story short, A, it's real and B, yes, a trade could work. And it seems like some people still want to be, I'm not going to say naive, but like just don't want to believe that it's real or that this is happening. And I think that's fair. I don't really want to either. Um, But I think those are the first things that are probably worth touching base on. Yeah. First of all, I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of people that when they don't like something they hear, they just assume it isn't true. Right. That's kind of uh, way too, way too many people think that like that way on, especially on Twitter. So I, I, you know, you and I were bouncing a bunch of thoughts off each other the last couple of days. Like you said, we both agree. This is very real, very serious. It's very clear that everyone on the Packers side completely understands how big of a deal this is. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I was watching, you know, Goody and Matt, this weekend, you know, they were saying the right things, you know, they, they sounded confident in a way, but I just got this underlying sense from both of them that, you know, just like some dread, you know, they were telling us, don't worry, we're working on this. You know, he's going to be back. But, you know, I kept hearing, Oh crap, you know, we might be really stuck here. You know, we don't know how to get out of this mess that we created. So, you know, I I just kind of have a bad feeling about this whole thing. I don't know about you, but you know, two reasons I get a bad feeling the contract and and the Goody thing, because, you know, it sounds like the Packers do want to extend his deal now and, you know, he doesn't want to. So that's a big problem for getting this thing figured out. And then if he's actually angling to get the, the general manager fired as a prerequisite to returning, I just don't know how this gets rectified on the two sides. So, you know, I, I get a feeling at some point, you know, there was something early in the off season, maybe the contract where it was, you know, it was a last straw, and now Rodgers is just done unless there's some huge concession made by the Packers for him. And, you know, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I just don't like where this whole thing is headed. Yeah, it, it, it's so and obviously it's tough to tell because we're not involved in those conversations of what was said and why Rodgers, if, if one, if it's true uh, that he wants Gutekunst out and two, if it is true, what happened to get to that point where he feels that way? Like, obviously, something went very, very wrong. And, uh, you know, without being there to, for those negotiations and conversations and everything like that, it's impossible to say, well, like this person's right or this person's wrong. All we know is that somehow things went very, very wrong to get to this point. And I'm with you, Zach. I think what you could tell, and frankly, I thought both Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and really the organization handled this as best they could this weekend. Now, obviously they did not handle this as best they could up until this point. Um, but I thought given the situation this weekend, I thought they went about it um, as best as they possibly could. They handled it well. I thought they were fairly transparent answering questions. Um, but you could tell that 
everyone involved very much understands the gravity of this situation, how this affects the Packers as an organization, how this affects Aaron Rodgers and his legacy, how this affects the future of Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur. I mean, when you have Aaron Rodgers, that's, that's a golden goose. That's a cash cow. That's like the ability to print money as, as a NFL team. Like you're pretty much going to the playoffs, especially now with expanded playoffs, you're pretty much going to the playoffs every year that he's a starter. You have a puncher's chance at a Super Bowl almost no matter matter what you do it, it you know it brings a ton of job security and then obviously you know, you don't want to have that for your fans either. Like the worst thing as a fan, there's a million things that can happen, but the worst thing that you can have is infighting between your, your organization and your star quarterback. Like we, a, we've been there and B it's just not fun to go through. It's like your mom and dad fighting with each other. And you're just like, I don't want to be a part of this. Just work it out, figure it out. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, and, and of course you don't want to see a divorce in that situation. So um, it's just, it's, it's very, very frustrating. I think for everyone and you can tell, that both people or everyone in the organization for that matter could very much tell and feel the gravity of the situation. Yeah. And I mean, all three of those guys have flown out to meet with Aaron Rodgers privately this offseason. I mean, that's a huge deal. They're, they're going to Aaron Rodgers to try and figure this thing out and it's still not figured out at this point. And now, you know, I, I don't know if we can assume that Rodgers is leaking this stuff, but you know, it's probably coming from his camp. You know, he's trying to, to leverage his way either to, to what he wants in green Bay or to get out of green Bay. So yeah, this is, this is a messy situation. I, it's hard to see how it's going to get rectified. I, I definitely think it could get rectified and, you know, the Russell Wilson and Seattle thing is probably a good comparison because, yep. you know, it looked, it looked like for sure they're going to have to trade him, but that didn't end up happening. So I, I do think this could get figured out, you know, maybe, maybe Rogers, is, I, I know you don't think Rogers could be back for just one year and then they split ways, but you know, maybe that, maybe that ends up being the best way where they can get this thing figured out and both sides kind of get what they want out of this, this messy, messy situation. Yeah, I, I go back and forth on it because that was actually like my initial inkling of like, it, it just seems like a perfect solution, right? Because we know that Green Bay is in a really messy situation from a cal salary cap standpoint next season and that they'd have to do some pretty crazy stuff probably already. They just literally did everything in their power to keep this team together, basically to make one more run at it this upcoming season. And then the worst thing that you could have happen is Roger saying, I want out right after you've done all of that to bring back a Preston Smith on a, you know, a redone contract, bring back Kevin King and Aaron Jones and so on and so forth. And now you're in a situation where, you know, if you trade Rogers and don't get back a, you know, legitimate starting quarterback in return, now you're paying all this money this year where you're also borrowing from future caps to try to win this year. You don't have a quarterback to help you win. So like, if you could come to a conclusion where, you know, you just say, Aaron, come back, let's do this one more time. Then we're, this off season, we will let you seek a deal to the team that you want and we'll work something out amicably, hopefully after you've won a Super Bowl. And let's just do like you said, you know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last dance style, one last ride and, and make it work. And, and a part of me thinks that maybe that could work. The reason I'm hesitant on it, the reason I go back and forth on it is because I just feel like it would be a consistent question from the media of like, I, I guess if they got ahead of it and they said, listen, we're just, we're going to do this one more year and we're going to look for an opportunity to trade Aaron Rodgers next season. And they just came out and said it. Um, and we're giving him permission to seek a trade. And everyone's on the same page that we're all in this organization trying to win a Super Bowl this year. And then we'll reevaluate next year, whatever. If you got ahead of it and just said it flat out, maybe that goes away a little bit. But if, they, if, if Rogers is just like, I'm coming back and I'm going to, you know, whatever I'm going to play and there's no new contract, no new nothing. I think those questions just consistently and constantly remain. Um, and, and I don't know. I, it, it just seems like that could be something that could potentially divide the team more than it could potentially help the team. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah. And to think about it a, li- a little bit deeper, like that would be a situation that Aaron Rodgers is like actively trying to avoid right now. Like he's the MVP of the league. He doesn't want to be a one year placeholder for Jordan. Right. So it, it, it does make sense. And I, I think it would be entertaining as hell for one. <laughs> that would be just ridiculous entertainment value, but yeah, that's, it, it really is the situation he's trying to avoid. He wants a, either a long-term commitment from them, which it doesn't sound like maybe they were ready to do at the start of the off season, or he wants to go, he wants to accelerate this departure and, you know, get out of there right now. So yeah, I, I can, I can see it both ways. I think I would lean towards that's probably not ever going to be a possibility. Yeah. So last thing before we move on to the draft, um, what what do you think the timeline is here? Because I, I got to feel like Green Bay, 
needs to resolve this before training camp. Like, I think you can get by with, you know, OTAs and mini camps and those things coming and going with Rogers, not involved in this kind of being in the background of things. It's not ideal, but I think you can make it work. But I think if this ends up being another situation where you're going into training camp and preseason and Rogers still isn't in the building and there's still a cloud over everything and you don't know which way things are going to go, I think that makes it very difficult. And I also think by that point, I, I'm sure that there would be like Denver, for example, if if the Packers wanted to trade him a week, you know, decided to trade him a week before the season starts, I'm sure Denver would still say sure and not, you know, bat an eye at it or whatever. But like, it, it definitely seems that for all parties, it just makes sense to happen before that point. Um, I think it, you know, obviously it started Friday, but I, th- I think you really have to try to get this resolved prior to training camp starting, if at all possible, if, if, if that is in fact possible. Yeah, you don't want this this thing looming over the, the start of your season. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you almost have to assume that, you know, this has been like probably a three or four month, you know, back and forth process or conflict or however you want to describe it. Because, you know, I, I don't think this just popped up out of the blue or like within the last month. I think, you know, this has probably been boiling for a long time. So you'd, you'd almost have to assume that, you know, one of the sides is going to have to blink. I would, you'd think at some point, because, you know, they've been digging in for the last couple of months, you know, it, it maybe, maybe Rogers just want, has just wanted to leave now, like now within the last month or so, but, you know, I, yeah, I think they're, this whole thing is, is probably been playing out for a while and, you know, they're going to have to make a decision here, here soon. I, 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 I don't know about you. I think you actually agreed with one of the tweets I had, but, I think this is just going to end up where they're going to have to trade them because, you know, they've kind of made this bed. They've, you know, they drafted Jordan love without telling him, you know, they probably didn't do what he wanted with the contract to start the off season. So, you know, he's a, he's a stubborn, you know, I wouldn't say petty, but almost petty, you know, individual. And, you know, this is a a situation where you, you might just have to fold to the player and, you know, give him what he wants. Not, not the guy that you want to piss off and he will hold grudges. And we know that very, very clearly. And those grudges have mostly worked out very well for the Packers and Packer fans over the last decade plus. Um, But now if it's, you know, he's holding that grudge against green Bay, we just know how motivated he can be. um, And we'll see what happens, but uh, I don't know what direction this goes in. I wish I did. And to me, it could still go in a million different directions and it may go in a million different directions before we get to our final destination. But Man, it is going to be absolutely crazy and definitely a crazy couple months. And of course, Zach, I'm just thinking that like we could talk about Aaron Rodgers probably for this entire episode, but go figure. We basically had an off season with nothing to talk about up until basically from Joe Barry being hired um, up until the, you know, the draft, the day of the draft, we almost had nothing to talk about. And now all of a sudden, all of the, like the draft hits, you got all these players you want to go over the Rogers stuff is hitting and everything hits all at once. And now it's like overload. And now we have way, way too much to dissect all at once. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, fans would not understand it, but that was a very, very quiet free agency whole couple of months. It was very hard to find stuff to talk about, write about podcast about for a very long time. And then we're getting to this big event where, you know, we're going to have a ton of new stuff to talk about, good stuff, new players. And then this Aaron Rodgers bomb drops and, you know, we're trying to ping pong back and forth between two of the, the biggest storylines of the off season. It was, it was just crazy. Yeah. They could have, they could have spread that out a little bit for us. 
I am not like a a content junkie uh, in any way, shape or form. Like I can jump on a podcast and talk about like, you know, Reggie Begleton for 45 minutes and be totally happy. Like that's just the weirdo that I am. So like, I'm totally good with it, but there is no doubt about it. it. Like this definitely gives a ton of talking points and every, and you know, discussion and things to write about and everything for the next, however long it takes until it gets resolved. So from that standpoint, buckle in, there's going to be a lot of stuff written probably too much, but yeah, that definitely, um, definitely will not be a lack of things to talk about, but let's get to the draft. Let's kick things off with Eric Stone as Green Bay did in the first round. Um, Zach, what was your kind of takeaway from the pick? And I'm sure you've had a chance to watch him a little bit more. Um, what what do you think Green Bay has here in, in corner from Georgia? Yeah, I think you and I and, and Ross too, it all seems like we kind of came to a similar conclusion on him. There's a, there's a lot to like about him. He's fast. He's long. You know, he he, uh, he dis- disrupted a lot of passing plays at Georgia, but you know, it, it's it's kind of hard to get a great feel for him overall because you, you know, you pop on these games and, you know, quarterbacks just weren't throwing at him a ton. So there just wasn't a whole lot to watch. I mean, you can watch those, those plays where they're not throwing at him, but you know, you want to see, you want to see the reps where, you know, the quarterback's going after him. So it does make you wonder if, you know, maybe some stuff, you know, maybe some bad stuff got covered up because he wasn't being targeted in these games, but, you know, it usually says something really positive if a corner isn't being challenging game. So, so we'll see. I think he's, you know, he's really growing into that position still. And, you know, the way the roster's constructed, he's not going to need to play right away necessarily. So, you know, he, he's got a developmental path that I think works out really well. And you know, I, I think it was you who compared him to, to Sam Shields. And I, I think that really fits because you, you know, you see the long arms, the length, and then that, re- that recovery speed, man, that's, that's going to cover up a lot of mistakes for him, you know, as he, as he figures this stuff out at the NFL level. And then of course we can probably be confident that a guy like uh, say Scotty Miller probably isn't going to get behind him. Yeah. Games. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. That's a really great point. And no, you bring up a, a fantastic point. And as you mentioned, you, Ross, and I all had similar takeaways is massively frustrating. I, I literally, I've now watched every game of his on all 22 from uh, this past season. And what you want to see is him get targeted so you can see, all right, does he get his head turned around? How does he attack the football? Does he start grabbing at the point of attack? Does he panic? Like you can learn a decent amount about a corner on how he covers a player just on in any down basis, but you learn so incredibly mo- much more uh, when you actually get to see the ball thrown at him, especially if it's like a deep ball in the air and how he responds to everything. And there's just like none of that in, in like a full season, which is insane, which as you mentioned, um, is is partially a good thing because it means that teams aren't targeting him usually because he has pretty good coverage on the play. Uh, but it, it definitely leaves a little bit of a blind spot. I even went back and I, I watched Tennessee because I went on Pro Football from 2019 because I went on Pro Football Focus to see right, what games was he most targeted. And like I would go back and watch that game and all the targets are like 10 yards over his head. The quarterback's just completely inaccurate. It's just like, just give me some passes that he gets targeted on so I can see how he responds to it. And there's just not many out there. You know, I think a part of this is he's consistently almost like it's like a good frustrating, but like I said the same thing about Patrick Sertan where like there's a frustrating consistency, almost a boring consistency about his play. And he's consistently within the proximity of the wide receiver, which again, is a very good thing if you're a Packer fan. Um, And I think, you know, quarterbacks just look up and see him there and they see Eric Stokes on their receiver and they think, all right, he's not open. I'm not going to target him. 
And when you pick players in the first round, what you're looking for is players that there's just not many humans like that in the world. And when you've got a six foot, you know, plus corner from the SEC, who's played man, who's played press, who's played zone, um, who's started a ton of games and can run a four two five forty, that you know, qualifies as a player that there's just not many of those made in the world. And he, he fits that he has the traits. He definitely has some things that he needs to clean up. Um, his balance is really messy at times. I can't tell you how many times he ends up on the ground just off of weird footwork and um, just losing his balance, which is really weird for a corner, but it definitely happens with him. I think he can be a little bit more of an impact tackler. And ultimately it's, it, it's funny. I think he mentioned on his uh, Zoom call of like, he doesn't want to be a fast corner. He wants to be like more of a technician. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there by a lot, but it, there's something to the effect of like, he doesn't just want to be a fast corner. And now I've, that I've watched him even more, to me, my guess is it's been drilled in his head to not play so fast. I actually think he needs to slow down when he's playing uh, because I think he's almost playing so fast. And then when a receiver cuts off their route or does a quick move inside or outside, he's still going at a million miles per hour. And it's like the, um, it's like the Wiley coyote when he's like running off of a cliff and his feet are still going. And then he looks at the camera, like his feet are still going and he's like taking like a hundred more steps um, while the receiver's cutting off their route. And I want to see him just play in phase a little bit more um, and kind of go from there. So I think that's all things that he can kind of continue to work on. Yeah, just, you know, c controlling that natural athleticism that he has because he was, you know, this superstar track athlete coming into Georgia who, you know, I think he only played cornerback for a year in high school and then he's just kind of thrown into the fire and in the SEC. So, you know, he's he's kind of learning as he goes, learning how to harness that speed into, into being a more, you know, fluid coverage guy because, yeah, you see some of his transitions and it, it does look a little bit like, you know, Sam Shields back in the day where, you know, He's super fast, but you know, you can get his feet moving and, you know, get him moving the wrong way sometimes. And he's a little bit grabby too. So I think, you know, he'll probably have to get that figured out, but that's, I think that's all part of, you know, harnessing that natural athleticism that he has. So yeah. Yeah. This, this pick, it felt, it felt almost surprising when it, it, it got made, but he was on both of our short lists, you know, it, it was just a very Packers pick once you, once you went back and looked at it in depth, because, you know, he plays a premium position. He's a great athlete. He meets their size thresholds. You know, he, he's playing a premium position. He's, he's young, you know, the, the upside is huge. So, you know, this was a very Packers first round pick, you know, it, it just fit the profile so well, you know, considering what they've done the last couple of drafts. Yeah. At a million percent did I I've gone over ad nauseum, the, you know, premium position young, um, and, uh, you know, athletic thresholds and everything, you know, to, to figure out that short list of players and have kind of brought it up on here. He had ever, the only thing he was slightly off on is everyone else had been 21 or younger uh, in their last six, like premium picks 33 or above. He was technically 22. He just turned 22 a couple months ago. So that was the only thing that was even remotely close to not hitting everything else. As you mentioned, he hit to a T and very, very much the type of player that the Packers look for with their first pick in each draft. All right, let's go to Josh Myers. Of course, uh, Creed Humphrey is the name on the board here. When you hear center come off the board, um, you know, there's always a little bit of a surprise there. Uh, were you surprised by Josh Myers and, and what's your thoughts on the pick? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I, I didn't maybe think he was going to go that high in the second round, but you know, I think the Packers, they obviously really like the player. I think it's really easy to like the fit. 
I think if you can get a guy that can come in and play center or guard right away, well, you know, that's, that's going to free you up to do a lot of different things with, with Elton Jenkins. And you know, I, I'm honestly not sure they make this pick unless they have Elton Jenkins on the roster because, you know, his versatility is so valuable. They can play him all five positions. Same, same with Billy Turner, really. You know, uh, Goody talked about that. Um, after the draft, just how those two guys, they can play all over the place. And it, it really gives them a lot of flexibility and, you know, it allowed them to target an inside guy early in the second round, which maybe they wouldn't have done. So I, I think listening to them talk about him, I think they really liked how big he was, you know, he's six, five, three, ten, big frame. He's much bigger than Corey Lindsley, who was, you know, probably considered undersized at the center position. So you look at Myers, he's, pretty much Elton Jenkins size. So I do think they're probably trying to get bigger along the offensive line. You know, Goody kept talking about, you know, what kind of team they wanted to build in green Bay in that weather. And I think getting bigger was a goal for him. So this, this fits there. I think he fits scheme wise. He played a lot of zone at Ohio state. I think that's going to be a a smooth transition. So, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out long-term because, you know, they had, they had a shot at some, some pretty good other centers there. So yeah, I'll be watching, you know, how him, the guy from, from Whitewater too, you know, he, he probably could have played center for him. So you you probably got to watch all three of those guys for a couple of years to see how it plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know uh, a lot of people either wanted Quinn Miners or, or Creed Humphrey. Um, and I'll be transparent. I'm not putting my green and gold tinted glasses on here. I liked uh, Bradbury or excuse me, uh, Creed Humphrey a little bit more um, than uh, Myers going into the draft. But when I watched Myers and I watched um, Humphrey and Myers back to back, I I thought they were very, very closely graded for me. And I thought when I watched Myers, I'm like, that's a, a Packers type of center. And the fact that a little bit more size, um, be able to anchor a little bit better, you know, pretty good in pass protection can get, you know, still get to the second level. I, I said Bradbury second ago, because when I watched Humphrey, I got a little bit of flashbacks to uh, Garrett Bradbury from the Vikings, who was so great in college and everyone loved him. And we all had him as a, a first round pick. And then he came to Minnesota and just didn't necessarily have the, the strength, physicality, um, the weight in the seat of his pants to kind of hold up against bull rushers and hold up as well as the point of attack. I saw a little bit of that from Creed Humphrey. I don't think it's quite as bad with Humphrey. I think he can hold up a little bit better, uh, but it definitely did not shock me in any way, shape or form when they went with somebody who was just a little bit bigger in Myers. And like I said, I had Humphrey a little bit uh, higher, but had no qualms whatsoever with this pick. And I think, I think it would not shock me in any way, shape or form. If, if Myers ended up being the Packers best pick in this draft, I think he's going to be a long-term center for this team. And I think he, I think Green Bay and, and their fans are going to be very happy with this selection long-term. So do you think he starts at center week one? I do. I mean, especially with if Bakhtiari's out week one, um, I just think that you know, escalates everything that much more. Um, you know, definitely I, right now, I would say the, the, the money would be on um, Elton Jenkins at left tackle and then John Runyon Jr. left guard, Myers center, um, Lucas Patrick, right guard, and then right tackle would be Billy Turner if I were a betting man today. And then I think when Bakhtiari comes back, of course, Bakhtiari and Turner will, will be your, your bookend tackles. Jenkins will play somewhere, uh, wherever they need him. And then I think the, the battle really becomes between John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, and Lucas Patrick for, for who gets those two starting spots once Bakhtiari's back and, um, and where they kind of line up from there. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be super interesting this summer because they're, you know, they they drafted three more guys this year. They they added a couple, you know, interesting guys in college free agency. So that is going to be a loaded room, yeah, especially on the interior. They they might not have 
a bunch of depth at tackle. And I think we'll probably talk about that later. Cause I'm, I'm not sure if, if uh, Royce Newman can play at right tackle. I think they, they think he can, but I'm not sure about it. So I'm, I, I'm not sure they have great depth at tackle, but they have so many guys that can probably play all three of those interior positions. So that is going to be a battle, you know, come training camp. It is. I, I honestly think Matt LaFleur is at the point where like, I don't think he cares all that much. I don't think he necessarily even views it as traditional tackle guard, center guard tackle. Like I just, I literally think he wants players that he think can go out and block the players in front of them. And he's not afraid to move people around. And if somebody's starting out there, like whether it's a, um, you know, a Cole Van Landon or a Royce Newman, if he thinks they're best for the job and they need somebody at tackle, even John Runyon Jr. Like it would not shock me if all of a sudden, you know, John Runyon Jr. becomes a pretty good player that if they need a game where Billy Turner has to play left tackle and John Runyon juniors at right tackle like I think he'll go out and do that I, I literally don't think he cares as, as much as most people he just wants five good blockers out on the field and let them go out and take care of the rest and, and really it worked really well last year that brings us to Amari Rogers who was of course Green Bay's third pick sounds like somebody that they really were interested in round two when Josh Myers uh, was selected they were deciding between the two were able to get up uh, to select Rogers and make that trade um, I think most Packer fans are really really excited about this pick um, definitely some Randall Cobb and Ty Montgomery to his game. I know some people have brought up Debo Samuel as well. Uh, this is definitely somebody that even though he didn't have that height threshold, I thought could be a potential Packer because A, we saw them want that that slot weapon with Tyler Irvin. And um, Tyler Irvin was a unique way to get somebody in that mold on the field, but he didn't really have the ability to run routes against corners and win, which really kind of limited the effectiveness of the options that they have in that formation. Um, now they would have somebody in Amari Rogers that can do that. He's insanely hard to tackle. And of course we know, Zach, one of the big things that Green Bay always wants is a very very willing blocker, no matter who you are in the field. And I saw that very clearly out of Amari Rogers when I watched him. He's not the most physical, you know, like dominating blocker. He's just not going to be at 5'9", uh, but he's definitely a willing and capable blocker. And if you're a 5'10 corner who's a little bit undersized, he's definitely uh, going to keep you sealed. So uh, I love this pick. I thought he was the, the flavor of receiver that was missing on this offense. And I'm excited what he's going to be able to do moving forward. Yeah, I really, really like this pick too. You know, I I kind of turned into a running joke on Twitter about Elijah Moore and how much I love <laughs> him. I, I really did love him. And I, even though I knew it was probably a pipe dream, you know, considering his size, but I just love the player, love the fit and the offense. I, I still think he's going to be a star, but you know, Amari is a really, really nice consolation prize. And you can tell the Packers absolutely loved him. They moved up. They gave up a pretty, pretty steep price actually to move up and get him. And, you know, like you said, I think the Randall Con Randall Cobb comp is a really easy one to make, but it, it fits really well. I'd, it's maybe not quite as dynamic as, as Randall, but he's pretty damn close. And I, you know, I think we can probably be confident that he's going to be on the field and, you know, probably playing a legitimate role right away as a rookie. I think you can give him, like you said, all those Tyler Irvin snaps, you know, give him a bunch of manufactured touches that are just caked into this offense and, you know, let him roll. And I, he's also probably going to be the big favorite to return punts and kicks. So, you know, you're getting some immediate special teams value too. I'm also not sure you have to worry about him handling a big workload because he's like almost 215 pounds and rocked up and, you know, Cobb, Cobby was like what 195 and his body really couldn't, couldn't handle all that punishment. So I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that with Amari. I think he's just, just a great fit. He's going to, going to help the offense. Like you said, he's going to bring a, a different dynamic to the offense. He's going to, going to help special teams right away. So there's, there's a lot to like about this pick. 
Yeah, he is short, but he is not small in any way, shape, or form. He is a big physical player, like you say, kind of like almost like built like a running back. And um, what I kind of equated it to, Zach, is almost not like a beginning Randall Cobb where he had like, I think a little bit more speed and explosiveness, but like year six, year seven, year eight Randall Cobb, where maybe some of that dynamic explosiveness had dissipated just a little bit, uh, but still had the ability to break tackles, run after the catch, make people miss. Uh, That's where I kind of see Amari Rogers, like not quite that prime Randall Cobb, but not far off. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great comparison, I think. And, you know, our, our guy, Ben, Ben Fennel, he's been preaching that all off season, just, you know, get that yards after catch manufactured touch guy into this offense. I, I'm not too worried about, you know, some of the route running concerns that some people have on him, you know, early on, because, you know, they're not going to ask him to go out and beat perimeter guys one-on-one. So, you know, you just, just give them those, those jet sweeps, those bubble screens, you know, those quick, those quick passes, you know, let him, let him catch balls over the middle and run, you know, just get him the ball in space. And I think he's going to be a, he's going to be a great little weapon for uh, Matt LaFleur. Yeah. This is not the receiver that you just put out on an Island on the right side and make run routes against teams, top cornerbacks. Like that's not, you know, the way that you necessarily want to use him. You use him in the bunch formations, let him get free releases, scheme him open do some of those bootlegs where the receivers kind of come back across the field, the jet sweeps, the motions, the kick returns, the punt returns. If he doesn't run a fantastic route, his entire career in the NFL, this can still be a dynamic pick and a dynamic weapon in green Bay's offense, the way that Matt LaFleur is able to scheme things. So um, you, use him in the right way, which I'm more confident in anyone in the world and Matt LaFleur that he will. Um, it, this has the ability to be an explosive and very fun pick for Green Bay. Uh, we are running short on time because we had to talk a ton about Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, but uh, let me just get your takeaway day three, just maybe a pick um, that you liked or maybe a player that stood out from day three of the draft. Yeah, I didn't necessarily love their day three picks, to be honest, but I, I think a, a guy like, you know, Kylan Hill, that that could be a late round gem for them. Cole Van Lannon, you know, he's got a he's got a little bit of a John Running Jr. profile feel to him. I think you know he could end up being a, a good depth piece. Um, you know, you know Slayton. You look at him; he could fill. You know, they've been looking for that big that big body snacks Harrison type that can you know come on the field for rundowns and eat up blocks. And I, I think he looks like a good fit for that. So, like I said, I didn't necessarily love everything they did on day three. I, I think it was a, a safe finish to the draft for them, but they they didn't really take a home run swing on a guy that you know you know maybe you're going to find a really good player. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I, I look I look at this group, you know. I do think they could find a couple, you know, capable depth pieces, but I I think a lot of these guys are probably going to have an uphill battle to make the team. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I look at the draft a little bit different for different position groups. Like, obviously like a kicker punter, like the draft starts in like the fifth, sixth round, right? Like at, at best uh, for the most part, unless you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Roberto Aguayo or the Raiders with Sebastian Janikowski, every once in a while, something surprises, but like, that's where the draft starts. Like for the most part with running backs, you know, unless you're a Saquon Barkley, Adrian Peterson, the draft starts, you know, end of round one, you know, beginning around two is where running backs start to get taken. Like, um, and that's why I think like going back to AJ Dillon a year ago, like a, a second round pick on a running back, that's a very premium pick for a running back in the third round last year, Josiah DeGuara, a H back fullback, a third round pick on that type of player is like a, a first round pick on that type of player, maybe even better than that, because that's a very aggressive pick for an H back fullback, somewhat tight end um, in the third round. That's a premium pick. And I look the same way at a Tadaryl Slayton, where if you're just mostly a pure nose tackle, that's basically going to be based with stopping 
the run. That's a fairly pre, I know it was a fifth round pick, but that's a fairly premium pick for a guy that even if everything works out and he's a really damn good run stopper, what is he on the field for 15, 16 snaps per game? Um, and in most, you know, situations and scenarios, um, he's not going to play teams. He's there to on obvious rundowns and maybe some first down situations to stop the run. And, and that is a very specialist niche position. Um, and I think that was a really interesting pick. And I think if he can pay that off, um, I, that's kind of the one that I'm really interested in keeping an extra eye on from this day three of the draft. Yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting how they went about it. They, you know, it, it was funny. We we all made the the needs ranking list where you know we we talked about all the things they need, and it, you know, just during this draft, it just seemed like they went down the list and knocked one out every single every single pick, you know, almost perfectly aligned with how we had them stacked. So I thought that was an interesting part, especially on day three, because, you, know, you know, they got the defensive tackle, they got the inside linebacker, they got running back depth, they, they added a bunch of big bodies to the offensive line. So, yeah, it, it was a, I, I just felt it was a, you know, a, a very safe finish to the draft. I don't, I'm, I'm not certain that they're going to get some underrated gem superstar out of the group, but, you know, they just plucked away at needs and, you know, hopefully pick some good football players. Yeah. Day three, you just hope you hit on one of those guys and you're pretty happy for the most part. All right. I'm going to do, we're going to do this lightning round, Zach, who was your favorite pick for the Packers from all three days? Amari Rogers. I think he has a very low chance of busting a very high chance of being a, a meaningful contributor on offense and special teams. Perfect fit for the offense. He's probably going to be an impact returner. So yeah, he's got to be my favorite pick. I'm going to go with Josh Myers. I think he's a, a decade-long center for Green Bay starting this season um, and being able to play consistent, solid football from, from pretty much the word go. So, all right, what was your least favorite or maybe biggest head-scratching move of the weekend? I'm going to go Royce Newman in the fourth round. The, the Packers said that they think he can play some right tackle. Like I said, I don't, I don't know. I think he looks like another guy that's going to have to move inside, and they have like 100 of them now. So I think, you know, they didn't really get a pure offensive tackle, I don't think, from this draft in the in the first two days, um, or really, unless you think Cole Van Land is going to be an offensive tackle. They really didn't get one at all. So it was a very deep offensive tackle class, and I don't think they really dipped into it. All right, I'm going to echo your sentiments there. And then, who's your most intriguing player from this class? Most intriguing player, probably Kylan Hill, the the running back from Mississippi State. That's kind of a a dark horse pick, but man, he's, he's got a lot of things you, you like at running back. I, I think, you know, he's probably not going to play much the first couple of years behind, you know, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but you, you look at Aaron Jones contract, it's only two years, you know, th- those guys get beat up at that position all the time in the NFL injuries happen all the time. I think, you know, I think he's going to win that, that number three job be a Jamal Williams type with probably a higher upside. Cause he's more athletic. And you know, I, I think, in time, he's going to be a contributor for that offense. Yeah, I agree with you on Kylan Hill. He would be up there. And then uh, to Daryl Slayton, for all the reasons I just mentioned, if he can actually be a consistent run stopper for them at that nose tackle position, get some help for Kenny Clark uh, and Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster. Let's be real. They they really need the depth in a player like him to step up. It's basically Clark, Lowry, Lancaster, Kiki. And then it's guys like Willington Prevalon and a bunch of, you know, completely unknown players. So uh, they need a, a to Daryl Slayton to be, you know, come in and step up. So I'm going to go with him as most intriguing. And then uh, before we get out of here, Zach, I just want to take a quick spin around the NFC North because this definitely feels, I don't, I don't want to be hyperbolic here and, and go over the top. 
this feels like the potential for a massive swing in the NFC North and dynasties. And I, I don't know if you can consider Green Bay a dynasty with, you know, two Super Bowls in you know, three decades, but the, the run of, of Favre to Rodgers is definitely in that realm. If, if nothing else, the fact that that is in question for Green Bay, the future of Aaron Rodgers is in question for Green Bay. And then the Bears go out and get Justin Fields. The Vikings, to a lesser extent, get Kellen Mond. They at least get a quarterback that has a puncher's chance with some high athleticism and some interesting level of play. Um, this is a really intriguing weekend for the NFC North and the future of the NFC North. Yeah, it was a, it was a very, very good weekend for the other three teams in the NFC North. Yes. Be because, you know, Aaron Rodgers might not have a future in Green Bay. The Bears get a terrific quarterback talent and an offensive tackle that, you know, Packer fans probably wanted in the first round. Like they increased their potential to be good in the future years by, by a lot. And I actually think the lions had a really good draft. They did. You look at the seven guys they took and, you know, I think all seven of those guys could be good NFL players. And, you know, that tackle they took could be an elite player. So um, the Vikings probably got two new starters along an offensive line that hasn't been any good. So they got to be feeling really good right now. So, and, you know, the Packers had a solid draft. I don't think it was spectacular. It wasn't, you know, it, I, I think it's a, a good B, a good solid draft, it, but it, it, it isn't going to be a franchise changing draft at all. It, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers stuff is going to hang over this. So yeah, it was, it was a very good, very good couple of days for, for the Vikings, the Lions and the Bears, unfortunately. It really was, which is uh, frustrating to say the least, especially with the Rodgers stuff going on. The, the Packers have their own way of doing the draft. And I think it's, it, 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 you know, I think it's, we've seen this, especially the last couple of years with Brian Gutekunst and they like generally highly athletic players who are versatile, who are very good scheme fits, who are very um, good character fits. And Green Bay is hoping that these high character, high drive individuals that love football, um, that want to come in and learn and perform. And again, have that just incredible drive paired up with the high athleticism that Green Bay is going to be able to get them in the door and coach them up and be able to have them perform at a high level. I think Cole Van Lannan is just a perfect example of this. Somebody that early in his college career was thought of as a potential first or second round pick um, has all the athleticism and you want, he has all the drive. He has all the right makeup as a, uh, an offensive tackle that you would want. You go back and watch his tape and his technique is all over the place. And in, in sometimes in a very bad way, um, but they are confident. And I have more confidence in, um, you know, Luke Butkus and Adam Stenovich than any other coach on this roster to get the most out of raw, talented players. Um, and they have the ability, they think they have the ability to coach up these players. So it may not get the A's and the B's or A pluses, whatever from, um, some of the, you know, initial grades and stuff, but, uh, they take their type of players and more often than not over the last, however long, since mostly Ron Wolf took over sans a, a few Mike Sherman years, it's, it's worked out pretty damn well. Yeah. And Andy, before we go, I just want to echo this final point. What a beautiful mystery we have coming up here because look, this is a 13 and three team coming off back to back NFC uh, title game appearances and we're, th- we're through the draft now it's may and we have no idea what kind of team this is going to be next year because if they hold on to rogers this is a super bowl team if they don't hold on to rogers and they they move on to the quarterback you know this is a team that's going to take a hard tor- hard turn towards the transition phase so i think we're headed for a, a very interesting couple months now this is a great football team but man there's a dark cloud that's uh hanging over this organization that's going to stay there until there's a resolution 
I don't want to go into this too far because we just don't have time, but I'm very interested if they do trade Rodgers and let's say they can't get a franchise quarterback back in return, which I think is unlikely at this point. Let's say it does go in that direction. I'm very curious to see how much they lean, lean into an immediate rebuild because if I'm being totally honest, trading Devontae right after trading uh, Rodgers makes a ton of sense in that scenario. If you don't get back, like if you're going into the season with a Drew Locke or a Gardner Minshew or someone like that, and based off of what just happened this offseason, season and moving on in the drama. Let's just be real. You're not winning a Super Bowl this year and you need to rebuild and get under the cap and make some aggressive moves to get younger quicker. Um, the, the next logical move that makes sense right after that is to trade Devonte Adams or pair him in the same trade even. Um, well, again, we don't have time to get into all that. Um, and it still seems crazy to be even considering such things. Um, so I understand the absurdity of my statement to many that just heard that, but um, there's definitely another can of worms to open there. Can, can you believe on May 2nd, we're, we're no. seriously discussing trading Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? No. That, that is just, it's just mind-blowing. Out of, out of nowhere. Zach, you are a legend. Thank you so much uh, for taking some time out, especially after an insanely crazy and busy weekend to join me here. Um, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Keep killing it. Where can we find your work and where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Packers Wire. That's where all my stuff is. I'm the managing editor there. And you can also find me on Twitter at Zach Cruz too. Make sure to follow Zach at Zach Cruz too on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe if you have not already. Also make sure you're checking out the YouTube video every single day. That's going to do it for us. Until next time, and as always, go Packo. world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.